0: Clip City is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts. And because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. With Game Time, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in just two taps? Clean my house. Maybe I need a Roomba. Two taps. House is clean. Watch sports all day. But until then, I've got Game Time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. <laughs> Yo, yo, welcome to a new episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. I'm joined by my Twitter friend, and now real friend, uh, Justin Wilson. And for those who don't know who that is, because he goes by a anonymous pseudonym, I think is a pseudonym, I don't even know. Uh, I should know this, but um, at LA Clippers Film. Uh, if you follow him on twitter which if you're not you should uh, but justin how you doing today
1: I'm I'm good I'm good uh we are real friends bro we are we are but like
0: it, you know th- this makes it official cuz i feel you to be for me to be friends with someone you got to hear their voice and, and once once we started talking uh you know we just recorded a podcast that will be coming out on monday uh we're, we're going to keep that uh, under wraps so, you know i think people will enjoy this one uh but now we are now it's official. Like we we've, we've chopped it up. We we've talked. Uh, and, and now it's, um, you know, it's, it's gone from Twitter and Instagram to podcasting, which, right. uh, it, you know, the next step is, is we'll, we'll have to get a, a drink or something sometime or some lunch or
1: something. Yeah. And we'll debate Drake albums over like a drink <laughs> or something. You know what I mean?
0: Over some, uh, over some Virginia black, uh, <laughs> uh, But uh, that's a deep cut for people who don't know. But um, so uh, (laughs) a lot has happened. It feels like a lot's happening with the Clippers every day. Uh, You know, guys are on the injury report. Guys aren't on the injury report. Uh, Guys are load managing. Uh, Guys are making their debuts. Guys are getting injured. Like it's been a crazy first 15 games. Uh, But right now the Clippers are 10 and 5 uh, they're coming off a 107 104 win over the Celtics in overtime. Uh, really, what was arguably the the best game of the season? Uh, I think. Funny enough, the other game that's in that conversation is uh, Clippers Lakers opening night. I, I guess the Celtics game probably was a better game overall, but that game, ha- you know, with the stakes and battle, La, uh, you know, LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and P- well, PG didn't even play, so versus Kawhi. Uh, I, I felt, you know, that had a playoff atmosphere intensity, but so did last night. And, and you know, I was out at the game, a bunch of Celtics fans, a, a loud, um, you know, crazy crowd, uh, you know, especially for like a regular season game, especially for the Clippers, honestly. Uh, so uh, right now the Clippers are 10 and 5. They are 11th in offensive rating. They are 9th in defensive rating and they're 7th in net rating. But I wanted to start w- with you, Justin, on, on last night's game, what you took away from it. Because, frankly, for all intents and purposes, it was almost like a training camp scrimmage for the team. Like, th- this was their first time. They don't even have a full squad. You know, Landry's out. But first time, Kawhi and PG have practiced on the same team together, or, you know, I guess they played on the same team together. Uh, you know, the, the one practice that they had since PG has returned uh, PG played on the second and third units. So they've done a little bit of like skeleton work and, and, you know, going through some sets and actions with PG and Kawhi. So it's not fully like it was their first time ever being on the same team, but in terms of actual like gameplay scrimmaging, like actually playing uh, this was the first time they've suited up on the same squad. So, I think w- with that in mind and with PG still adjusting to the rest of the team with even Kawhi still adjusting to the rest of the team. Uh, I-, I think there were some positives to take away from last night's game. There were some negatives as well. Uh, you know, I can't, can't, uh, I mean, some of those turnovers were just ridiculous, but oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, you, you in Kawhi with five uh, PG with five and Lou with seven, like it was, it was insane. But, uh, where do you want to start with? Like, what, what to you stood out? What what was positive? What was negative? And uh, what can we actually take away uh, from last night's game?
1: Well, for me, it was their defense. Um, I I thought that uh, for certain parts of that game, watching Mo and Kawhi and PG and in their length, um, for most of that game, they completely swallowed uh, Kimba Walker and. I just, I that was the thing that jumped out to me. Their defense, um, for the most part was fantastic. And then you, you saw Patrick Beverly probably had his best game of the year last year so far, last night, I should say. Um, and that, that's the probably the biggest takeaway is that you kind of got a peek into how good they can be defensively um mm-hmm. and and i think that's something that's a real takeaway and it honestly was kind of surprising to me how in sync for the most part they were on that end of the floor um a lot of the lack of chemistry and a lack of practice time really showed itself on offense but they they looked they looked there defensively um especially to end that game. I think they were down what ten with like six minutes left to go. And then they just became an all world defensive team for the most part. And like that really won them the game. And I think that's a that I think that's a real takeaway just because even though Paul George and Kawhi, that was their first game, um, the Clippers have been winning a ton of games lately and really for most of this year. Um, with their defense, them being outside of the top 10 offensively to me isn't really a surprise at all. Kawhi in and out of the lineup, Paul George has only been there for three, four games, or what have you. Landry Shamet, whose movement is an offense of itself, is out. Um, Patrick Beverly, um, up until last night, couldn't hit a shot. Um, they've been really, really, uh, they to. To me, they've been really bad offensively to start the year, and for them to still be ten and five, to me, speaks volumes about how great they've been on defense, and that kind of showed itself last night. But offensively, they they are far away. They're they're far away from being um, I'm sure where they want to be. Um, those turnovers that you mentioned um, kind of allude to that. I I did I did like some of the things they did offensively with as far as you saw Paul George and Kawhi on the floor and they still went to the Lou pick and roll which is money every time seemingly uh but yeah their defense great their offense not so great um but to me that's a good sign because you you would hope that you would assume that with more reps and with more practice time uh, they could get that figured out with Kawhi and Paul George, two of maybe the top five best players in the league. Offen- offense shouldn't be an issue, and it won't be long-term, I don't think. So that's that's encouraging. But, yeah, offensively, they're just not there yet at all. What did you think?
0: Well, to your point, uh, since Halloween, they have the 21st best offense, and they have the best defense. They're tied with uh, actually – the Pacers for the best defense in the league uh, over the last three weeks. Uh, and I, I'm with you. Like, I think the defense was very encouraging. I thought uh, rotationally there, there were some signs of encouragement where I thought the starting lineup is what the starting lineup should have been. Uh, you, you know, now Hell when Landry's yeah. back, Hell yeah. when, when Landry's back, I think there's a conversation to be had of like, do you go with Landry as the fifth guy or do you go with Mo? But I really like the, you know, just, you know, on paper, not not even just on paper, just watching. And, and I just think in reality, like those are the team's five best defenders. So, you know, the fact that you can actually start your five best defenders in, in one lineup uh, is, I guess you could, maybe Rodney is, Rodney's in that conversation maybe for the fifth best, but uh, I, I would say like, I, thus far, I think those have been their five best And Now PG has yet to kind of return to form on that end, but like when you're projecting it out, like, you know, Mo has been incredible defensively. Zoo is one of the best rim protectors in the league. People need to talk about that more. Pat is Pat and Kawhi is Kawhi. And, and PG is kind of getting his legs under him still, but he, he's been looking better defensively each game. And I thought this was a pretty good defensive game from him. Uh, he actually had the best defensive rating uh, on the team. Uh, in terms of single game uh, defensive rating. So overall, I think that that was encouraging. You know, the Pat Patterson experiment is over. He didn't even play Hopefully. last night. Uh, it's, I, think it's over. I think it's over as long as Kawhi and PG are, are – you know, we'll see. I, I think he's going to play, but in terms of starting and playing more than Jermichael and Moe, which to me is like – I mean, I've, t- I've, I've talked about this every podcast, so I'm kind of tired of talking about Patrick Patterson, but like – the, the, you you could make the argument to me that he should start as just like a placeholder, like that's whatever. But the fact that he was actually playing more than Jermichael or Moe to me was ridiculous when you know there's a gap, but there's a just a clear gap between the, the three, and, and that's why he's not playing anymore. But I'm I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the starting lineup and the closing lineup, which is something I've I've wondered and I'm actually interested to get your take on it. Uh, is you know, I, I've been I think in the minority, but I I've been critical a little bit of like once Kawhi and PG are fully healthy, fully clicking, I've wondered about the Lou Trez uh, dynamic with with the closers because I think there are going to be certain matchups, especially against the top teams in the league, which Boston is becoming that now. They're a smaller team, they're a more perimeter uh, perimeter oriented team, so they weren't necessarily the best test for this. But you know, teams that come to mind: the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Sixers potentially even the bucks um, these bigger teams that have more size on the interior that are really good at rebounding really good defensively I've wondered like if you're in the conference finals finals can you actually close games with Lou and Trez and I, I know that it, it sounds blasphemous and I, I keep beating this drum but Lou you know we saw it in in, in against the Warriors like they targeted him. Uh, very cruelly uh, but they would yeah. run actions you know have his man as the screener have his man have the ball and they'd run actions against him trez uh his effort really wanes defensively you know he's not like for as good as he is for as much as he hustles for as much as he has energy it's not always there defensively he's not the best at rotating and he's six foot seven there there are clear limitations like if he's facing joel Embiid in the finals i don't feel great about having trez against joel Embiid uh with, with you know Five minutes left in Game Seven of the Finals. I, I don't. I don't love that matchup. So tr- I have some concerns there with, with those two defensively. Only defensively. Offensively, obviously, like they're they're great, and maybe that is more important than the defensive side. But if you're telling like you're telling me it's it's five minutes left in a game, Game Seven, Lou and Trez, I have real concerns against a smart coach and a really good offense. Uh, now that being said, they passed the test last night, right? Like they. They were part of, like you said, Clippers are down ten with six minutes left. They're down seven with two minutes left, and they rallied. Uh, you know, they they t- took the lead, ended up going to overtime. Then they won in overtime. But like Lou and Trez had their miscues, they had their mistakes, they, they screwed up some possessions. But for the most part, they're respectable. They held their own. They competed. They were locked in. So that gave me actually some encouragement. Of you know, I think Doc is going to go with Lou and Trez anyway. And that'll be something to dissect in the playoffs where it's like, you know, maybe they lose a game or two because Lou and Trez screwed up defensively. But I think overall, like if you're going to take some encouragement from last night, it's that that was the first time we saw that that group of Trez, Lou, Pat, Kawhi and PG. And they balled out. You know, they were the really the best. I think the Clippers overall best lineup, uh, the best lineup for either team. And it, it just it worked really well. It clicked. Uh, like you said, you had the Lou Trez pick and roll. You had, you had Kawhi and PG uh, doing their thing, even though they kind of struggled late. And then you had Pat wreaking havoc as, as a spot up shooter, as an offensive rebounder on, on defense. Like it just it just fit really well together. And I think that was a lineup we had all been waiting for all summer, uh, all preseason. We finally saw it, uh, and I thought it worked really well. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, from your perspective, like how do you feel about the closing lineup, and and how do you feel about Trez and Lou, when the stakes are highest, do you trust them defensively?
1: So no, first that (laughs) no, I um, I it's all right. Moving on then. no, No, uh, you know, so that was kind of my biggest my the moment we got Kawhi and PG. I was really wondering where where does Lou crunch time wise, where does where does he fit into all of this because. He's not needed nearly as much offensively one would think, and you know this year he's 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 been he's had some he's submitted some of the worst defensive work that he's that <laughs> since he's been a clipper i mean it's it's really it's really incredible to watch um so it's it's definitely worrisome um there are there is a universe where you have to ask yourself um are you are can you win a championship with those guys playing big minutes, especially big minutes late? Um, I, I winning 40, 48 games and being a cute first round team is one thing, but winning a championship um, can they play long term with their defensive ineptness? That's that's a valid question. That's that's very valid. Um, as you said, they passed the test last night. Um, that we don't. I, it's a game in November. At the end of the day, so I, I I don't know how much we could take from that. Other than that, was a really good performance from them. I, but yeah, I. So I am I'm, I'm of the camp that they probably for one need to play Zoom more, especially now because I think he's a guy that the Clippers are probably going to need later on and and he's got to, at some point uh, yeah i'm with you at some point he's going to have to start playing some big minutes because we want we don't want to get to the playoffs and not trust zoo playing extended long minutes because we've we're we're continuing to ride trez um yeah i i think i think uh, without a doubt that something like uh something like zoo playing at least he his his playing time may be one of the few things that has kind of frustrated me when it comes when it comes to Doc so far this year um with Lou it's a little bit more tricky just because of the insane value he may be he brings as far as being able to play out a pick and roll um if he's playing out a pick and roll with Lou with Kawhi and PG spotting you kind of saw that dilemma happen with with last night right where Lou and, Trez, Lou and Trez run pick and roll and Marcus Smart is completely hugged on Kawhi, which leads to Patrick Beverly wide open three. And stuff like that happens because you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor. But they, they they will no doubt pick on Lou and it's up to it's up to Doc to see how long he can put up with it. And that's the one thing that's worrisome about me about about Doc when it comes from my perspective. I've seen him ride Jamal Crawford to the ground, even when it was apparently obvious that teams were targeting him and, and he was hemorrhaging points. So I hope my, my hope is that if it comes to a point where it's not working, that doc will pull the plug and acquiesce to that. Um, We have the roster to, to, to build around that. In my opinion, Um, we can build around those ineptness and, If if he has the courage to sit them when it matters, then all the better. But that's kind of the one thing I'm looking at is what happens if Lou and Trez just aren't working, especially come playoff time? Will he he sit them? And I think that's a valid question. And whether or not you can win big with those guys playing big crunch time minutes, it remains to be seen. And we'll find out.
0: Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, and Kith. StockX ensures authenticity. Every item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. Their experts go above and beyond to make sure you never get burned by fakes. StockX has removed all of the risk from buying and selling online. Now you can get the hottest, hardest to find kicks without having to deal with a random buyer or seller again. Want in on all the hype? Check out stockx.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's stockx.com slash bball. Check it out today. So I think there's some more context to add to this because Everything you just said, I'm in agreement with. I've been saying, you know, I've written about, I've been saying in some variation on this podcast, like I am Team Zoo. I think Zoo, um, because the, the other two things, with or not two things, but the, the other thing with Lou and Trez is it's not only the defensive end where with Lou, it's, it's I mean, with Lou, it's basically everything defensively, but with Trez, it's specifically like, you know, his he's kind of has an inconsistent ability to switch, uh, but his ability to contain the pick and roll, his ability to rotate as that help defender, as that weak side guy who has to come over, uh, he sometimes just doesn't rotate at, at the right time, or he'll he'll foul, um, he'll go for the block, and then his his guy gets a dunk or an offensive rebound, and um, you know I just think there are times when he look like you see the defensive potential because of his length, uh, because of his athleticism. And because of his strength that he, he has defensive potential and, and he can be a average to above average defender during certain stretches. But there are times when it's also really bad. And it almost reminds me of DeAndre Jordan towards the end of his Clippers tenure where
1: agreed, agreed, th- there was call. times
0: where DJ would just kind of check out defensively, not rotate or half-ass rotate. And he at least was six foot 11. So, you know, his standing reach, his length, could be a little more bothersome, but Trez at six foot seven, you know, his margin for error is so slim, if not not existent, that he has to always be locked in defensively. And I think with Zoo, again, Zoo is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Statistically, Uh, you just see it with his size, his rebounding. He he stepped up as a rebounder this year and the team rebounds and defends much better with him on the floor than Trez. So uh, where I was going was, which I got sidetracked was the other side of it is rebounding. And if you're going small, because if you're going Lou and Trez, you're, you're going small, uh, you're really putting like Trez is a below average rebounder. Lou doesn't rebound. <laughs> so now you have you, you have two guys who aren't only potentially hurting you defensively. They aren't rebounding either. And now it's basically all on. I mean, you saw Pat at 16 rebounds last night, but like it's all on Pat, Kawhi and, and PG or whoever that other fifth guy. Because I think right now, kind of the way it's going to go into crunch time is going to be Trez, Kawhi, PG, Lou, and then that fifth guy is going to be a rotating spot. Last night, Pat was playing, you know, out of his mind, best game of the season, uh, and you know, so they closed with him. I think there will be nights where maybe you're playing a, a rangier team with more wings, you go with Mo. Mo. Well, maybe there, there's nights where uh, jermichael has got it going, and you go with Michael a little bit bigger. Or maybe, you know, once Landry's back, because Landry, I was thinking, like, if you go with Landry as that fifth guy, you are saying, like, that you know, they're helping off Pat, you can't help off Landry. So now, sure. if you run that pick and roll where it's, you know, Lutra's pick and roll middle of the floor and you got PG, Kawhi, and Landry off ball, like, you know, spotting up or, or running some type of off ball action on the weak side, like, how do you guard that? You, you can't, because you can't leave any of those guys. So that, that's like an impossible... Lineup to defend on on the other side though of course now you're really leaning on Kawhi and PG defensively. You know Landry's held his own I think fairly well this season, but he's not exactly like a stopper. Uh, and I, I think you know then you again it's, it's Lou and Trez. So to me I I, I want to see Zoom more. Um I also think with with Lou last night Lou had one of his best games of the season. You know he was ten of twenty one and uh, you know hit a couple clutch shots. So like there might be nights where Lou is like three of fourteen. And maybe you don't close with him those nights because if he's hitting, you, you got to ride that that wave. But if he's not, he, if he's having an off Lou night, those nights can be very destructive. Uh, he, he had one early in the season. I'm forgetting what game that was, but um, like uh, an off Lou night, he should not be closing the game in, in my opinion. So I, I think we're in agreement here. Um, it, but we got to see what happens with Landry's back because I, I think Landry's kind of the best of both worlds, where he he's a better defender than Lou. But he's also an, a better offensive player than Pat. And th- that's kind of where now he's got to get his, you know, he's got to shoot better. He's got to kind of uh, play better than he has, which I think he will w- with this kind of time off resting and, and healing. But I, I think Landry's someone who I'd really like to see in the context of this lineup because I think he's impressed defensively. He, he's done a solid job on starting guards to, to start this season. And if he can keep that up, and, and you know, potentially do that in the playoffs, like he did against Steph uh, la- last postseason. Like that is something valuable, where I think he kind of hedges in the middle of of the Lou Pat kind of offense defense dynamic.
1: I mean, you could make the argument that Landry probably is the one player on the team who benefits the most from playing alongside uh, PG and Kawhi, just because oh, of definitely. the amount of just because of the amount of clean looks he could get. I, I didn't even think of what you would the scenario that you that you brought up. Um, He he being the fifth guy next to Trez and Lou and PG and Kawhi that that that's a great point. Um, And I know he's been cold for 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 most of if not all of this season. He's somebody that I honestly don't worry about. I think his shooting his shooting will come around. Um, The rebounding with those lineups kind of does worry me. Um, and you're, and you're, you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on like Kawhi and PG to like, not only, not only defend, but rebound. And it's, it's, it's something that's probably a fluid situation to me. I I just hope that it's fluid with the coaching staff and that we, we do what's necessary depending on what the game calls for. Like there is no scenario where Lou should be closing games if he's not, if he's three or fourteen or something like that, and I, I would love to see Zo get a chance to close a game out. I think yeah. I think he would. I think he would. I, the Clippers look so good and so much more competent when he's on the floor on both ends that we we I, he deserves a shot to me. I don't I don't see why that hasn't happened yet, and I'm hoping it happens soon because uh, his defense and his rim protection and his sheer size. Is invaluable, and he made some. He made some kind of. He made some really good plays. He's been making a few good plays this year out of short roll, and mm-hmm. I think with more reps, especially with him and Kawhi, they've developed some really nice chemistry in pick and roll. With more reps like that, he he could even he can get. There's another level that Zou could get to. I mean, his per thirty six numbers are insane. I mean, which yeah. which. Uh, and, and and there are, there are there's some noise with that, but there's also some credibility to that. That kind of to how good this guy could be with more minutes. And I think the that there there is as close to unstoppable as you can get defensively. Um, if you ha- if you throw Zoo next to a Kawhi and PG or a Pat, um, to close the lineup, and that's probably that that's what I'm waiting for.
0: Yeah, and I, I think with with Zoo. Like you know, as you just alluded to, like w- one of the things that's impressed me with him is, has been his passing, uh, and you, you saw it on the first possession of the game where he hits uh, Kawhi for you know uh, they or was it it was Kawhi? Uh, they, it was. They, they they yeah they, they they blitzed Paul. He hits Zoo, uh, you know, just under the the three point line, uh, kind of in the high post area. He turns and hits Kawhi, who who drills the three, and that was the you know the Clippers' first basket. And I think just overall, like, you know, his ability to, to screen, to run DHOs, um, you know, to, to make those, you know, simple passes, but, but passes that could be challenging for big men to make, uh, especially if you're not like the most, you know, if you're not a Jokic or, or a Towns or a, a, you know, a Davis or something like if you're not that level, uh, you know, there are a lot of, you know, lesser bigs who, who can't make those types of, of reads and, and plays. So, I uh, you know, I also think Trez's passing has gotten better. Uh you you've you've seen it. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought, you know, and I, I thought la so one thing that um I've discussed, and I, I just talked about it with uh Mo De uh last pod that we did together was that one thing I thought uh, that would potentially kind of a consequence of PG's return would be less reliance on Trez because you really needed Trez for offense, right? Like if you look at the scoring on this team, there is a drop off after that fourth guy with Jermichael being kind of inconsistent with his shooting to start the season with Landry struggling to shoot to start the season. Like they haven't really had that fifth score consistently. So it has been, you know, and at first it was three scores, you know, it was Kawhi, Lou and Trez and then, yep. then a gap. Now it's PG's in there. So they're going to have those four, but I think with Trez, the presence of PG now that you're almost always going to have like two of those four on the court, you don't need Trez as much. And what I think it shifts it to is defense, is rebounding, and, and that's where Zoo comes in. And I think another guy that you know is kind of similar to Landry, potentially the middle kind of hedge, is Jemichael, right? Like where Jamichael is a better defender and a better rebounder than Trez. Um, you know, not as good as Zoo. But then offensively, uh, he's he's not the role man that either guy is. But, but then he provides space. that stretch and, and that pop and that you know that space. So there's a lot of different ways they can attack this. And look, Jermichael at the five was really valuable in the playoffs. Like he he stepped up. Um, you know he I thought he defended KD really well in that series. Uh, they're off, he had the be, uh, you know the Clippers' best offensive rating was with Jermichael on the court uh, d- during that series. So you know we we haven't seen much of Jermichael at the five yet because of how well Trez and Zoo have played. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the challenge really uh, that we're kind of, you know, dancing around is like this team is so loaded, they're so deep, they have so many different guys who bring different skill sets to the table that it really is just finding that five-man combination depending on who you're playing and, and kind of, you know, like having that sliding lineup, right? But maybe not with the starters, but maybe with the closing lineup. And having that, you know, okay, we're playing Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. Let's go with Zoo. All right, we're playing Boston, who who has Tice, or maybe they go Grant Williams at the five, or uh, you know, once Hayward's back, maybe they go with Jason Tatum at the five, and, and then maybe you pound them with Trez, or you go Jamichael, or you go Mo at the five. Like you know, there, there's a bunch of different ways the the Clippers can attack their closing lineups and just kind of the rotations in general, but. Um, I think the biggest thing has to be Doc not being rigid yep. and, and not just sticking to one thing, which we we've seen him do both. We we've seen him be flexible, but we've also seen it cost where he just does the same thing over and over again, even if it's not working. <laughs> uh Avery <if you're> Bradley. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh so like that it's just it's just figuring that out. And oh, I, I'm optimistic, but you know, I and from talking to from talking to some of the assistant coaches, some of the player development people, like I think everyone's head's in the right place. Like it did seem like everyone unanimously was like this Patrick Patterson thing. Like I don't even get why we're doing it, but like it it doesn't make sense anyway. And you've seen Patrick Patterson's now out of the rotation. Like I think they're smart enough staff. They have enough, you know, 50 people on the staff that uh, (laughs) enough, enough people kind of have the perspective of, of, you know, this is working, this isn't working and this is what we should do.
1: No, I mean, I mean the Patrick Patterson thing is befuddling. um, But As 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 you as you just stated, man, the most important the Clippers have the roster to be fluid. They have the roster to be adaptive. And that's that's what you want. If depending on the matchup, you want to be able to say, Okay, let's close the zoo here. Okay, Trez is having a good night. We can roll with this here. Maybe we need one more long rangy wing. Let's 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 let Mo roll roll this night. Uh, that that's the most the most important thing is Doc and making sure that uh, that they are malleable to that. And for me I, I I got my eye on how they how how they're handling Lou. I got my <laughs> eye on how they're handling Lou because Lou is such a um, he's he's a player that's easy he's easy to have faith in. Even when the even when it's unwarranted, because you just believe that the next shot he shoots is going that he goes left is going to go in, and you just believe that his offensive brilliance justify him being on the floor. I'm not so sure I agree with that, but yeah, long term I'd love to see how Doc incorporates guys like Mo Harkless and Landry Shamit and Zoo into a closing lineup but you know the Clippers have a wealth of talent man uh we're we're talking but like, we're talking like this but Trez is averaging 19 and 7 off the bench and <laughs> like and, and like that one of the hardest pro- I so I, I mentioned this on Twitter not too long ago uh the biggest dilemma is trying to find ways to get Trez off the floor man he's really damn good he's yeah. really damn good and you know if, if you're getting that type of production, it's easy to rely on that production, even when you may need some more size. And, you know, that's why, that's why I'm, I don't envy his job as a coach right now, but that's the roster that the Clippers have. They have a lot of options and hopefully they use them thoroughly to give us the best, the best advantage for that given night. And,
0: and I, I keep going back to Joel Embiid because, you know, that's a very specific example and there aren't like let's let's be real here there aren't a lot of guys who can match up with Joel and and you know, allow you to not have to send a double uh, but I just remember what Joel did to the Clippers last season I remember uh, that. he he I am I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now he he absolutely obliterated them uh you know Boban Marcin Gortat uh, Trez uh you know uh, whoever they threw at him he okay let's let's see what he did against the Clippers. I'm going by opponent right now. Against the Clippers. Okay. So this game, he actually, the game at LA, I remember that. That was kind of weird. Oh, but, well, uh, oh yeah, but okay. Um, (laughs) I'm talking to myself here. Uh, He had 28 and 19 (laughs) and three blocks uh, in LA in a win. And then in Philly, (laughs) he had 41 13 and four blocks uh, in a win. So
1: I remember that game. I think he had like 30 in the first half or something like that.
0: Yeah. So between those two, he averaged 35 and 16 against the Clippers last year. Those those are Shaq numbers in the finals. Uh, He, he destroyed them. uh, I believe in both games, at least two bigs either fouled out or had like five fouls. Like he just obliterated them. And I'm just thinking, it's a very specific matchup, but Hey, this team has championship expectations. And one of the teams you might face in the finals is Philly. And they have a guy that your closing center, I think has no prayer of defending. (laughs) Um, Now, you know, again, maybe they do some of the AD strategy. Maybe they're, they're doubling from the backside and they're, they're just relying on their rotations. And um, you know, that, that, that actually transitions into something I want to talk to you about uh, where one of the things that's kind of, but, but I guess the, to finish that point, like that's where I think you need zoo. I think you might need zoo against Nikola Jokic, uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, maybe AD depending on on the matchup. But um, one thing I I wanted to to touch on is the one thing that has concerned me defensively outside of like, you know, the general like lack of size with with some of the lineups uh, because this team doesn't, this team does not have another guy above six foot nine, uh, other than Zubats, he's the only guy on the roster that's above six foot nine, uh, so that is a little bit concerning. But outside of that, the the ability to contain dribble penetration—that's uh, r- the one thing where I'm like, like even going back to last night's game, I felt the reason Boston got so many open looks, which I I think people overblew it. Where I, I went back, I mean, I went back and watched the game, and it was like. There were some open looks, but there were a lot of looks that looked open, but the clippers closed that gap. They closed that four-foot distance with, with their length. So it was like maybe the guy caught the ball, and as he's rising, it's open, but you got Mo Harkless, you know, covering six feet of ground to contest it. You got Paul George doing that, you got Kawhi doing that, even Pat doing that. Um, but the the, the ability to contain dribble penetration has concerned me because. In that game, I felt the problem was they kept getting beat off the dribble, and that's what led to those threes. Was guys having to rotate over? You know, they kick it out, and they have to rotate back to the shooter. And you would think with this team, like they have the length, they have the size on the perimeter, and they have the ability to rotate. And that's kind of what saved them. I felt last night was they were able to make those rotates and close out to uh, to shooters and and really make life difficult but they w- were giving up a lot of dribble penetration and that's something that's really concerned me all season where you know I think pat pat has quietly regressed as a defender no one really talks about it but i think there's a reason why the team puts him on wings versus guards if you've seen Good point. you know last season for example they rare, they never put him on dame they never put him on Steph. it was always someone else on those
1: guys and they put, put, put on pat Tatum. on someone else yeah they had they him, put him on Tatum him. yesterday
0: so last night they put, they put him on Tatum, uh, they they put him on Smart, they put him on Brown. They never put him on Kemba, and I, I think that's an issue. Uh, and Pat, Pat is more effective at stopping those guys from, from you know gets into their legs, gets into their dribble. But it, you know it, I'm, I'm just thinking too, like when you're when you're playing a and Steph isn't a great example because Steph is is you know injured and the Warriors suck. But you know if you are playing Dame, if you are playing. um you know, uh, I mean, there's Kyrie or or just pick, pick your point guard, whatever point guard you want to say. Like, that's where it's almost like, do you go with Landry? Like, what? Because I just feel like I feel like with Kawhi too. Like Paul, I give him a pass because he's played what four games now. Uh, but like Kawhi, I think the, the my only criticism of Kawhi defensively has been. I think he gets beat off the dribble a lot. Yeah, he's you know, been I think,
1: much. He's been much better off the ball than on it yeah. this year.
0: And, and you and you that was something that. So I'm writing about the defense for tomorrow morning, but something I noticed was they put they put they, they put Mo and Rodney on the ball all the time. So those two were always checking Kemba. Then they'd have Paul usually defending the worst. So in the starting lineup, it was it was Marcus Smart, but he'd always defend the worst wing because they love him as a helper. And then Kawhi was, was defending Jalen uh, and Pat was defending uh, Tatum. And I just feel like, you know, between Kawhi and PG, that's a historic defensive tandem. That is, I think, you know, the potential to be the best wing tandem since Scotty and MJ defensively. But, and then you throw in Mo, who, you know, is quietly, you know, become, I think he looks even better defensively than he has in years past. Like, he's really impressed me. Uh, Pat is a plus defender, even if he's regressed a little bit. Rodney has come along defensively uh, again. Landry has been a solid defender Then you got zoo inside. You got Jermichael who can switch and is versatile. Uh, and then Trez, you know, here and there can, can be a plus defender, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Like I felt like they were, they were almost, I don't know. Maybe it's a schematic thing. I don't know, but it almost felt like they were inviting dribble penetration, like hoping people would try to drive into their length and they could, you know, steal a pass or, or tip a ball away. But what what have you seen from their dribble? Pen, you know their defense against dribble penetration because that's kind of the one area where I feel like they've consistently been bad all season.
1: So your point about Kawhi not being able to contain POA point of attack is justified, and it's funny. I thought I was the only one who kind of picked up on that. Um, he's been really good as far as using his length and his hands to like blow things up as as a help defender, but on the ball he hasn't been great um i think the team is cognizant of patrick beverly's overzealousness and him kind of losing a step on the ball so mm-hmm. you can kind of you can kind of see that um he can get he tends to he could he puts the defense in a in a precarious position when he's just digging at the ball and constantly putting the defense on its heels because he's being overzealous and one of the ways to control that is to not have him on the ball, and mm-hmm. and so that's a good point. So he he has a bit of Avery Bradley syndrome where they look <sighs> where well, well, and he's and he's better and he's better he's better at using his length than Avery Bradley is to me. But they both look like they're playing really great defense, and Patrick Beverly for the most part does, but. These, these point guards are just so good in the NBA. This is not high school and college. You don't get much out of pressuring Chris Paul or someone 94 feet. that's that you you do you do more harm than good to your defense when you do that. So I think I think the Clippers haven't they don't have a lot of got, their strength is a oftentimes containment and help defense and they're, they're getting by on their length right now. Um, it could be something that that in the future could be problematic i w- i want to see how that kind of plays itself out as paul george gets into the rotation a little bit more and you you we get more reps with mo Heartless guarding point guards i like i don't i don't think he was I, I don't think he was particularly the greatest last night at containing containing the ball but i think that in the future that's something that the clippers are probably going to rely on a lot and like you said i He's been one. I guess I didn't pay attention enough, but he's his. He's a massively talented defender, man. Uh, mm-hmm. He he blow he blows things up that like it, it's it's little things like the initial to to start a set. I think towards the end of the game, uh, Kimba wanted to start a set, and the pass was like two beats off because Mo's length was was in the way. He's he's great. Um, I want to see more of him on on the ball. Like, I like that look of him him guarding the Kimbas of the world, the Dames of the world. I do, um, I do too. Um, I know James. I know James lit him up a little bit. Um, and by a little, I mean a lot in 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 Houston. But he lit everybody up that night. Um, it'll yeah. be. I, I want to see. I want to see. He's the best. He right now. He's far and away the best wing defender on the team, and mm. um. A lot of what the Clippers want to do defensively relies on him um, continuing to be this this great defender, and he has the tools, he has the talent, and the IQ to do so. But I'm going off on a little Mo, Mo Harkless tangent here. My bad. No, we, but we, yeah, I, I love Mo, so yeah, keep going. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's probably the their best defender as far as potentially maybe being able to corral dribble penetration. Um, it is something that you pointed out and that I've seen. Um, I kind of thought Kawhi would be a little better than that, although he did take a step back as an as a on-ball defender in, in Toronto. Um, but long long term, I, I do wonder how big of an issue that'll be, especially to close games, if they're going to close with Lou, if they're going to close with Trez. Um, that could be even more of an issue um, long term. but. For now, it's something that I think is definitely worth monitoring for sure.
0: And, and you know, that that brings up a good point because it, it is going to be matchup dependent. It is going to, you know, the, like I, I'm thinking, I mean, the, the, they're not facing the Warriors, right? Like I, I, w- I would have really been interested to see this team versus, versus you know, those Warriors. But yeah. I, I mean, they're... I don't really like I am trying to think of what team could really give them problems um I guess like a health, like healthy Milwaukee although that's it's really Giannis dependent healthy H- Houston but that is really Harden. in Harden I I, I was kind of conflicted on his performance in that game because just with the way he plays like his shot is almost unguardable so it's just really a matter of if he makes it or not and you know, I mean you could do certain things and I felt like the Clippers. The Clippers went through they had that second quarter stretch where they really limited him, uh, and then again in the fourth for a bit. Uh, so they, I thought they had two really nice stretches against him. But overall, like with Harden, you know, with the step back shot, with the way they spaced the floor, uh, you know, he's just such a talented one on one player. It's it's almost impossible to kind of contain him. Just a matter of the other guys, and that's where I felt uh, the Clippers did a really poor job. Uh, you know, Clint Capella and uh, Russ later in the game and. Uh, just so, some of the, I mean, but that game to me was more about offense than anything. Like, I think if their defense was actually better than than you know people probably talked about it, I think it was the offensive end where it was just a disaster, and uh, they went, you know, once they got that lead, they went through that stretch where they didn't score for like a couple of minutes, and the offense just you know uh, went to crap. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the the other thing is like we haven't really seen peak Paul George yet. And I thought he looked a lot better in the Boston game overall defensively, but I think we still need, a, you know, we're still two or three weeks removed from him probably feeling a hundred percent overall and just being fully acclimated. And, uh, you know, guys are still learning the system. And, uh, you know, I think you could look at someone like Rodney who, has who I think, continually gotten better defensively as the season has gone on. Uh, I think the same thing can happen with PG and if you get last season's PG, you know, third in defensive player of the year, Uh, I, I mean that, that just takes this defense, I think to a whole different level. I mean, Uh, even if Kawhi doesn't, uh, necessarily like improve the way, I think we'd hope he
1: would. I, I, I agree. I agree. And to your Paul George point, one of the things that will help him defensively is just getting in shape. Um, he, I, I, he, he, he mentioned it last night that, um, he told doc that, man, I got to get in shape and, and Oftentimes, when when he's when he's when he gets up to speed, when he gets up to game shape, um, he'll be he'll be back to that two way guy that that we know. Um, even last night, his form defensively was was great. Um, he's one of those guys that knows how to use his length, and so when guys are driving, he's keeping his arms out um little things like that are like mad impressive to me about Paul George. I haven't even this is the first time I've like really like keen in on on him and like watching him up close defensively. Um you can tell that his head is in the right place oftentimes. He's just like a step or two slow right now. Um but I think as you said, give it give it some time, give it a few weeks. Uh he should be he should be back to that defensive level that that we all know that he's capable of. And he's 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 another guy that, like you said, even if Kawhi doesn't become the defensive stopper that um that we that his reputation suggests, uh, the Clippers still have more than enough talent defensively to wreak havoc. And you you're kind of you've kind of seen that since Halloween.
0: Well, and and the other thing too with, with this is uh, the defensive numbers to start the season with Zu, Pat and Kawhi. Individually and as a trio, have really been impressive, and I think adding obviously Paul George to that, and then you know taking Mo from the bench to the starting lineup, like I really think that lineup has the potential to be a special lineup defensively. You know, one of the best uh, line. Like, and again, I thought a lot of people were just chalking up Boston missing shots, but I felt a lot of it was the Clippers making them rotate the ball a lot. You know, the the Clippers forcing them late into the shot clock and the Clippers really, you know, you know, I I think it wasn't a coincidence that they took so many threes because the Clippers, I mean, now, you know, they, they they were allowing dribble penetration, but then they were rotating over. And I think that's, what's really what what I think has lived up so far to its reputation has been this team's ability to help and recover and, and rotate and get deflections and, you know, nine blocks last night and, and get steals and play the passing lanes. Like, this team, I, I think, from that perspective, ha- has lived up or or is close to living up to, uh, you know, their kind of potential on that end. It's just been for me that kind of initial, you know, the point of attack, the the uh, you know live dribble aspect of it. Like, I think they could do a better job of that. But I'm excited with with the starting lineup. Um, I, I think really at this point, with the way Doc is using the rotation, you have. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're going with a little bit more of a nine man rotation until Landry's back, you know, seven of the nine defenders are plus defenders. And then you got Lou and Trez who aren't plus defenders, but make up for it on the other end. So like you really have a tight, uh, you know, productive nine man rotation and you're eventually going to add Landry Shaman into that. So I, you know, I think the biggest thing right now is this team getting reps together. You know, they never practice, uh, so it's kind of hard to, to do that outside of games. But um, I, I think, you know, judge them on that. Judge them on really last night was the first night of the season. The first 14 games. Like if, if the Clippers season is going to matter and they're going to make the conference finals, they're yep. going to make the yep. finals, they're going to win a title. They're not going to play game. You know, they're not going to be in situations where Kawhi and PG aren't together. Like this team is riding with those two. They're going to take them as far as they go. The other guys are nice. They're, they're going to help. They're going to be important. But if if this team is without Kawhi or PG, they're, I think their are ceiling obviously and just kind of the expectations for that team should drop significantly. Like you know, without either one, I think they're probably like a semifinals team. With both, they're a finals team, if not the championship favorite. So there's a, there's a huge difference there. Uh, so that to me is something to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. Is like you know, now that they're healthy, we know Kawhi is going to miss, you know, back to backs. We know he might rest other times occasionally, maybe PG rests, Lou, Pat, whatever. But when this team is fully healthy, like we need a bit more of a sample size to really judge them because really the first 14 games, you could just judge guys individually. It's hard to judge lineups. Uh, It's hard to judge rotations because they didn't have the full team and now Landry's out. So that's going to be another big component. But um, I think Last night overall was encouraging. There were definitely some some things to be concerned about, the turnovers, uh some of the three-point defense, but overall they gutted that one out. They pulled off the comeback. You know, Lou and Pat were huge. The closing lineup worked, and I think overall you should walk away from that game feeling positive.
1: A- absolutely. I mean, there's there's a for me, as you said, the most important part of the season prior to last night's game was just wins other than wins. Um, there's not much that you, you could take away significantly. I mean, you could, you can look at things that, Hey, that's interesting or Hey, that's interesting. But as you said, this, this, this ship is going down with Kawhi and PG and everything revolves around them. All the rotations, all the rotations, questions that we have revolve around them. How, the, how they'll perform defensively will revolve around them because they are, they are the ones that are going to move the needle on both ends of the floor, hopefully. So, I mean, last night was a great first step in terms of seeing how, seeing how they look. Um, There are some things that probably need to be cleaned up more to me. Um, Offensively, obviously, they look they look kind of clunky. But yeah, as you said, um, they haven't even practiced yet. And that's the Clippers have been playing offense off of pure talent. They've been playing period off of pure talent. So hopefully with more reps, we can kind of see what get a better picture of how this team can look long term.
0: Well, and another thing we didn't really touch on quickly uh, be, before we wrap up here like, this Boston team is good, right? Like, they, you know, they had the best record in the league heading in, into, uh, or I guess second best, you know, behind the Lakers uh, heading into last night's game. Uh, best offense in the league, fourth best defense. Like, this team is pretty good. I think they're in a little bit over their head and, and kind of overperforming their, their actual kind of talent, but you know, at worst, I think they're the third best team in the East. And they didn't you know, even have, top, Gordon late, they didn't have
1: Gordon Hayward. You yeah. last, they don't
0: have Gordon Hayward. You know, they're a top seven. They're a top six or seven, top seven team in the league, uh, it's seven or eight. But, but like they're, they're really good point being, and like for the Clippers to have that as their first test. And, uh, you know, again, a team that's, that's been rolling uh, only had two losses heading into last night's game. Like for them to, to play that team and that team rusted, right. They, I don't, believe they had played the night before, uh and to win that game. Like that that to me, um, you know, speaks to the team's talent level. And that's the thing. Like we, we you know, we've talked a little bit about, about the offense. Like the offenses look like shit and they're still winning games. And they're still they're dropping one fifty right. on the Hawks and and they're beating team you know, if you look at their resume now, uh, and compare it to some of the other top teams, like they've beaten the Celtics, they've beaten the Lakers, they've beaten the Jazz, um, I know. Well, I I mean, beating the Spurs, but like that, if they beat the Blazers. They beat the Spurs, and they those hung, teams have struggled.
1: They hung 124 on the Bucks without Paul George or Kawhi.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they almost won that game. They beat the Raptors. Um, you know, they they beat uh, so like I and look, and they they, they I mean, they, they lost you know, lost some close games. Uh, you know, the the Milwaukee game without Kawhi, I thought was impressive. Uh. Houston was a game that they could have won, had the last couple of minutes gone differently. Uh, You know, New Orleans game, we don't want to talk about that one. But uh, overall, like, I think for this has been a difficult schedule, uh, fifth-hardest schedule according to ESPN, or I mean sixth-hardest according to ESPN, fifth-hardest according to basketball reference. So for them to have this type of record, this this point differential, this net rating, um, you know, without Kawhi and PG, uh, you know, Playing together for for uh, you know all but one of the games, like I, I you know this team is really good. Uh, they, they're really really good, and um, I think you know you'd probably like to see them have like a twelve and three or eleven and four record at this point, ideally. But ten and five is still really really good, and I, I think overall through these first fifteen games, um, things are trending in in a positive direction. Guys are, are starting to play better together. Um, I, I thought one thing also that we didn't really touch on was. You, you, it, it had a last night's game had a vibe of last season, right? And it, agree, it was this scrappy with the the big Pat performance and the clutch loose shots and, and the Trez pick and roll, like. But you just had instead of Gallo and, <laughs> and Shea or Gallo and Tobias, you had Paul George and Kawhi okay. as your decoys and your weak side guys. So that is really like that. That was encouraging to me because it wasn't like they rode. I mean yep. you could look at it like all right, Kawhi and PG didn't play that well down the stretch like you know they, they were inefficient whatever but, that's but you a, also look at it like th- those guys won them the game.
1: Right, exactly. Like that's 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 the whole essence of this Clipper team which is that they got Kawhi and Paul George and they don't have to rely on him if, rely on them if it's not their night. Um so that's a great point. That's a great takeaway. I agree. All
0: right man, well this was fun. We just podcasted for over two hours. Uh, (laughs) uh, I think marathon boys. Yeah. Well, this is long overdue. I'm glad we finally had you on. Um, You know, I've uh, I don't know why I didn't think to ask you earlier, but I'm glad Um, I forgot who suggested it, but someone had suggested it. So whoever that was, I'm blanking. I I apologize. Uh, But thank you for that that person. Um, Shut, you know, T- tag us on Twitter and, and I will retweet it and, and I will give you your, your proper shout out. But um, uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad we finally were able to do this. Uh, I think people are going to like this one. We went pretty in depth. I think people are going to definitely like the one on Monday, uh, although it is a little bittersweet. Uh, but uh, where can people find you on social media and uh, anything you want to promote or plug? Uh,
1: you can follow me on at LA Clippers Film. On Twitter, you can follow me at Justin Wilson underscore on Instagram. And yeah, I don't have anything else to promote. Maybe that'll change <laughs> sometime in the future. But I'm yeah, I'm uh, this has been a pleasure. Um, this was really fun. Um you're one of the best at what you do and I, I had a blast doing this.
0: Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I think we're mutual fans of each other, so I'm glad we finally were able to do this. We got to get you writing. I, I don't know how, how uh, you know, if you like writing or whatever, but I uh, would love to. I do see you doing. Okay, so yeah, I, I want to see you doing some breakdown stuff. Um, you know, outside of Twitter, that, I think that would be uh, cool to read. But um, I, again, I'm glad we, we did this. It was a long time coming, and I hope you guys listening uh, enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to The Athletic, uh, I don't know why you're listening to this. You you should probably stop now. Uh, I'm playing, but you should subscribe. You should give us a shot for the one-week free trial, as always. Um, And if you don't like it, you could unsubscribe, but I highly recommend not doing that. Uh, And thank you for listening. I will be back next week, Monday. Justin and I have a special podcast coming out that I think you guys will enjoy. Uh, That might be my only podcast next week. I'm undecided on that. Uh, I might be recording another one tomorrow, which would probably go up next week. So we shall see, but uh, be on the lookout for that. And thank you for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate it.